The following is not intended for younger audiences. The opinions expressed do not reflect the views of the podcaster's employers. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy Two Dudes for One Double Feature. Welcome! Uh, welcome everyone to Two Dudes, One Double Feature, the show in which two dudes talk two films, and that is about it. I am Dude One, Richard. And I am Dude Two, Joe. And we are back. Sort of. Yes, we didn't, I mean, we didn't really go anywhere, we just, were, we just were gone for a little bit. Yeah, we just took longer than normal. Uh, this is going to be a regular thing. With us, uh, I think we talked about it in the Matrix episode. We're mm-hmm. we're shifting to every other week. Um, we did not want to do that, but just this is mostly my fault. If, if we want to pin it on anybody, uh, just you, you jerk. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I'm such a I'm a bad boy. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> like I probably ruined Richard's life by doing this like i mean you know it just threw it out of whack a little bit that's all (laughs) (laughs) you know like just just a just a slight you know wrench thrown in the cogs you know it was it was definitely weird because last week i had to do so many other things Mm -hmm. and it just was weird i just weird reflecting on now i did nothing for the podcast last week (laughs) You know what? On my end of it, here, I'll tell you. On my end, it was weird because, like, I was just sharing. All last week, I was just sharing um, stuff for our radio drama. And the whole time, I was like, I just kept thinking, we watched our first movie, like, almost after, like, almost a couple of days after you told me we were changing this. And I was like, well, if that's the case, we're not going to be recording this for a while. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, am I gonna remember this movie? Am I gonna have to watch it again? I didn't, and I do remember uh, some of it. <laughs> but there's parts, but there's parts that was that was worth talking about too. So I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll keep, I'll try to keep all of this in mind. But it is sort of, I'm not used to it yet. I'll probably be used to it depending on how, because I guess you know you're doing something for over a year, and it sort of becomes part of the routine a little bit. You know, and I like and I like doing this show, so it is kind of a bummer. But on the plus side, you know, just to stay positive about the whole thing, you know, it is your fault, but it is something something good is happening out of it. So at least there's that. If it was like, if it was just like you're just going like I don't I'm bored and I don't like doing this anymore, that's when I would just be like sad. Yeah, I'm I'm not at that point with this show. I love doing, uh, I love being a co-host and uh, uh, e- executive co-dude. <laughs> of, uh, of, of this podcast but you know uh just real life you know nothing awful just yeah no nothing awful just busy like bu- like busy you know capital like, b like i've been i like before i got really really busy i was watching uh perot and I, i'm on season five but i haven't watched it meant much of it in a while my mom's like oh do you want to watch pro and i'm like no because i don't have i don't even have time to do that 
Though I though you did you did you did give me a weird ultimatum that like I was like uh, do you like are we gonna record today? And you're like well there's no football. And I'm like are you telling me football is more important? And you're like yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean listen, <laughs> listen, just be happy the Super Bowl is not today. God damn it! But also, I mean, it wouldn't affect us too bad because like the Super Bowl is not till like six wouldn't be till like six thirty, you know. <laughs> You know, football is, you know, but you know what? I did feel a little bit better when you said you would choose football over your, you can keep this in if you, you don't have to keep this part if you don't want, but when you said you would take football over your own girlfriend, I was like, you know what? At least I'm, at least I'm not like being shunned specifically. In the context, <laughs> in the context for that, I was trying to figure out, oh, it would be a good time to Skype Allison and... I th- <laughs> so she's like, I'm busy Saturday. You want to try Sunday? And I'm like, Yeah, I got <laughs> NFC and AFC championships. <sighs> oh my, uh. <laughs> Allison, if you if you're hearing this part, I'm so sorry. <laughs> you know what? Hey, you know, it's cool. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> How are anyway, you? um, like I said, <laughs> I just, uh, busy. Um, I did acquire a region-free Blu-ray player. Yes, I. Yeah, this was a this was a big one. Yeah. So, you know, for those you don't know, like with physical media, especially, you know, a lot of many discs are region locked, and so like if you get a disc that's region A, you can only play it in certain territories. Region B, same thing, you know, but different and all that. Um, there's a Blu-ray I've wanted for a while, um, of Abel Gantz's Napoleon, the really long silent movie about Napoleon. And the only, like, proper, like, Blu-ray release that it's really had, uh, was from the BFI from, from 2015, which is seven years ago. And, and the BFI is, you know, British Film Institute, so Mm I had to import that, uh, disc. And then I got this region-free, uh, blu-ray player because 4 4k is natively region free so you don't have to really worry about that too much um but with this it, it's just nice knowing that i can basically play whatever i want now like i have a vhs player i have you know blu-ray players 4k you know all that stuff um i watched the first act of abelgonza's napoleon and it's a long movie it was really riveting stuff and i plan to do to discuss my thoughts on it at a later date, but it's also funny because it's going to be outdated anyway. Because Netflix apparently they had to push this back, but they're do- working on a restoration of Napoleon. So we'll see what happens with that. It's so basically what you did is you have the physical media version of NordVPN, our sponsor. Not really. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I remember. You almost specifically called me just to tell me that you got that, and you were so excited about it, and I was like, you're like, you see this? And I'm like, it's a Blu-ray player. <laughs> <laughs> like, do you know anything specific about it? I'm like, um, it's LG? <laughs> like, no, no, no. It's region-free. And I'm like, ooh. Ooh. But, yeah, now you can just watch anything. Yeah, and they don't, keep this in mind, too, you can't just go to, like, a Best Buy or Walmart and get one of these things because players are region locked. So somebody has to mod this thing or like, you know, 
you know, fix it Void up. Void the where... warranty, basically. <clears throat> yeah, basically. Um, but, you know, I have one, and I'm very happy about that. So, um, yeah. Very cool. How, how are you? Uh, you know, stressed, because my friend doesn't want to do a show with me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> the face is beautiful. <laughs> You chose football over... No, I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, this, this is one of my favorite parts of the, the podcast, because no one can hear this, because it's just Joey turning his head like in disbelief that I just said something. <laughs> I, you think you think by now I, I wouldn't be astonished or flabbergasted, but... I, I have a talent. <laughs> You're just... just... <laughs> You're very special, Richard. Uh, like in Kanto, right? <laughs> like how they're special there? Uh, the, mir- the miracle is not uh, some <laughs> magic that you got. The miracle is that I'm still doing this show with you. <laughs> not not some gift I'm doing the podcast with you. Aww. <laughs> that's the nicest thing you've ever said <laughs> that or it's uh, uh, when I recorded you saying I never said I was his friend <laughs> that's a classic that's like absolute classic that's my favorite sound bite in any video I've ever made <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh, in all seriousness how are you uh, you know I'm alright um, last week was a bit hectic just you know again trying to figure out what to do and um like i like i said we were trying to talk we were uh, trying to figure out like things to make or things that we could expose put more exposure on in the off week so like um talking to john and kenny for for instance maybe doing some kind of spin-off of the show that they can do for the time being and they had some ideas but um they're still kind of cooking stuff so i don't want to make any kind of announcement or guarantee on that um um on that note, I do want to say, because uh, we had a bit of a snafu that I realized way too late, that because um, I was sharing last year's radio drama that we did, because we officially completed it. Uh, well, John and Kenny did, really. And um, we were going to share all the episodes, but then um, what happened was uh, the updated versions of the episodes that we put the, the dramas in did not get fixed on iTunes or Spotify. I don't know if it, hopefully it's fixed by now when you guys are hearing this, but um if uh if you're listening on any of those platforms, I apologize. Uh wholeheartedly cuz I I did not catch it right away. I wish I did, but um so that was sort of a th- that was sort of a thing, but I was actually proud of the way I shared everything. We finally got to share all the drawings and stuff, like all the character cards which were really cool. And John put a lot of cool work in that. I love my favorite part is all the like details that he put on the side of like the mm-hmm. our, like especially ours. Like you're from Malaysia, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, all right, jo- Joey could be Malaysian, I guess. It, uh, I am not Malaysian. <laughs> I, I, you know, in case I, uh, <laughs> real Joey's not Malaysian. Drama the, Joey, the, the apparently. Radio is. Dr- oh my gosh, what a mess. It's a- <laughs> uh you know i apparently i'm demanding but i guess that's kind of true <laughs> to, to, to maybe a certain extent other than that um i've just been like just chilling at home uh work 
work has started to wind down, obviously, from the holidays, um, though we did just get Jackass Forever mm-hmm. in theaters, and I'll just say this, like, no skin, no, no, I have no beef with the Jackass movies. I've enjoyed some of the stuff that they've done. I've seen some of the other movies, um, but the type of crowd that comes out to see a Jackass movie, specifically the type of crowd that comes out to see a Jackass movie in a Midwestern red state is not fun. <laughs> a lot of white trashy confederate flag wearing neckbeards that are probably all my age um coming to see it and i knew we had to put a lot of like heavy restrictions or at least people that knew what they were doing on the bar which is what i mostly do so um in case people would i i ha- we did have to to turn one guy away because he came up and he bought two drinks but he had also admitted that he pre-gamed his words um, beforehand. So I'm like, yeah, let's not serve that guy. He, he's already a little loopy looking. The fact that we served him once is probably bad enough. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then I, I had like all these like frat looking dudes like offering me 60 bucks to open the bar. I'm like, no, go away. <laughs> so I will say that's one of my favorite things about doing bartender stuff is that I feel like I have more freedom to say no to a customer. Mm-hmm. Whereas like, you know, obviously customer service, you have to be more like, and not to say that I am not like a jerk though. I, I think I kind of am, but it works for me oddly enough. But, um, with the bar, cause obviously, you know, alcohol and everything, you have to have a regulation. You have to have a, like, you have to be a little bit more strict when serving, especially in a family establishment. So it is kind of nice that I'm, I'm, I have more, ability to turn someone away if i feel i'm not comfortable enough to serve them mm-hmm. you know obviously i can't just like i mean i could throw them out but we have cops there they could do it mm-hmm. but um yeah that was a bit that was a bit rough a lot of a lot of those types of people coming in i saw my first and I, we're not a political show too but obviously our opinions ooze out a little bit but i saw my first uh let's go brandon hoodie during oh my gosh. <laughs> during that so <laughs> Um, I haven't, I, I didn't have to explain it to anybody, so that was nice, <laughs> but yeah, so was, that was a bit crazy. And then today was going to be kind of a relaxing day, but, um, everybody decided to, to also go out today. And so it was just a bit chaotic and like trying to find parking spots and wanting to just do like simple things, but I'm glad I'm home and I'm glad I'm just here doing this. So that's nice. Mm-hmm. So I blame I blame that we were just we just got out of a blizzard and so the roads are fine now basically but they just didn't finish the parking lots and so there's a lot of spots still covered in like mountains of snow. Yeah. Um so that's a little annoying. But speaking of mountains of snow, Joey, what is our first feature this week? Well, Richard, our first film in our double feature pairing is Charlie Chaplin's 1925 film, The Gold Rush. Hold on. I'm going to go to a place of calm. No, I don't know where I was going to go with that. (laughs) (laughs) I was, I was, my, my, my thought was that maybe you would try to scare me. (laughs) Oh, I'll try to go. But a place of calm. Richard, this is the last episode of Two Dudes, One Double Feature. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, wa- watch the scary part be like that ends up actually happening i'm like god damn it <laughs> I just i'm knocking on wood it's like 
Is there wood? Okay, I got wood everywhere. All right. <laughs> We're good. But no, the gold rush. This this whole episode, I think, is one I think you're, you specifically are very excited about, because this is a very Joey episode, but um, this half specifically, I think you were excited about, because A, it's like a silent movie, because we don't get a lot of those on the show, and B, Chaplin is back. This is our second Chaplin, right? This is our second Chaplin film, and only our second silent movie, period. Yeah. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, because our first one was The Phantom of the Opera with Lon Chaney, and our first Listen Chaplin to that film, episode. It's, it's a good one, uh, Allison's on it, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, I wanted to bring this one up, because, I mean, again, I think there's a lot of stuff from the silent era I do want to expose you to at some point, and also, for those of you who don't know, I used to... Um, I used to host um, Silent Film Saturday. It's on, it was Which on YouTube. I still hear about every now. And I, there's still there's still one message that we ever got on our Facebook page from some guy saying, "I'm trying to reach the contact info of Silent Film Saturday." Oh my god! I'm like Joey. Do you have stalker that you didn't tell me about? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but, I hope you don't. <laughs> thank you. But and, and you know, and I feel like the comedies, especially. Like really good co- silent comedies are a good way to get people into um, the silent stuff, and mm-hmm. I felt like the Gold Rush. I think it's one of his. It's it's. I think regard as one of his best movies, and there's a lot to talk about with it because its production history is really interesting, but also as a movie itself, it's it's really funny. I, I you know what? I had a good time with it. You know, I mean. I think with with people like if you're not somebody that's maybe not used to silent movies or you're maybe not into silent movies a lot like it sort of feels like drinking coffee a little bit mm. at least from my perspective because like you know I grew up obviously with just like movies that came out at the time so like I have a very like normal upbringing when it comes to movies and my you know cinema consumption if you will right and so i never was really i had to kind of expose myself to silent movies more just to like try to get into that a little bit more um but even now it's still kind of like you know it feels like it's an acquired taste a little bit at least from just again my perspective um so every now and then it's i there is a sort of nervousness going into it like oh gosh especially when you when you see like how long it is i'm like how long is this again? <laughs> but um, no, with this one, I actually like I I you I reacted. Yes, yeah, yeah. As you know, we'll we'll probably talk a little bit about one specific one later. But uh, no, it's I I definitely was having a good time with it. Um, and just saw that like th- and th- and thankfully with this one, there were some things that I recognized too, just because it was either mimicked or something that was mm-hmm. just like shown, like the the shoe dance thing. Is that what it's called? Yeah. That's why I saw in the notes, so I assume that's what it was called. Yeah, the shoe dance, whatever, you know. um, Funny enough that, like, because people talk, because everybody knows it from this movie, specifically, Mm. even though there were earlier iterations of something similar in other films. But, like, you know, again, like, when you you talk to, like, 99.9% of people who are at least aware of Charlie Chaplin, they probably know of this, the shoe dance scene from this, from this movie. And I think... What's mm-hmm. kind of fun about it is if you're looking at his face, like he's not really goofy with, with no, his he's, face. He's, he's straight. He's very <laughs> just like like no emotion on his face whatsoever. Um, you know, so there's that. I mean, I'll say this about the Gold Rush. I, I'll say in a lot of ways it might be Chaplin's most epic 
of his silent films mm-hmm. uh, be- in terms of the scope. Because the basic gist of the story is Chaplin is 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 his little tramp character, but this time he's called the Lone Prospector. Okay, he's looking for gold. He's looking for gold. Yeah, Richard is like money, money, looking for gold. He's looking for gold, and there's a lot of stuff going on. Like he encounters these weird characters. He encounters Big Jim, who's who's this, you know he's a big dude, and then <laughs> <He's>, he, yeah, <laughs> and then they encounter Black Larson, who literally just feels like he's from a completely different movie and is just hor- horrifying. It's it is sort of like he's just it just feels like it is sort of intercut with like the silent version of the Revenant. <laughs> a little bit though obviously no dicaprio no dicaprio there is a bear there is a bear there is a bear and that when that bear showed up i was like where does bear come from it's right behind you <laughs> trap look out there's a bear <laughs> yeah so he deals with that um but there's also there's all sorts of shenanigans that go on like like because Black Larson is such an intimidating presence there uh, mm-hmm. is that sense of danger like you know like if you're a little kid watching this and you see a character like Black Larson you don't know if the tramp's gonna make it out alive because like in comparison to other movies like that character is just so not cartoony <laughs> at all no no whereas whereas Big Jim is is kind of silly as a character <laughs> like. Just how, like, big he gets. Like, not just, like, physically, but, like, emotionally. Like, he'll be yes. like, Oh! <laughs> My little buddy! <laughs> and, and and Chaplin... So, like, years later, Chaplin did, like, a sound version of it where he narrates the movie. It cuts out the title cards, basically. Mm. And he he plays Big Jim very much like that. Oh, yes! My friend! <laughs> Come with me! And we'll share the riches. Um, but, and then Chap, like, the other big part of this is, like, when Chaplin returns to town, he falls in love, uh, with Georgia. Who gets the, the most pretty, most, like, elegant, pretty little, uh, uh, title card every time, uh, she shows up. Though the weird, the weird part of it is that uh, it also kind of makes me think of, like, those really nice, like, funeral cards. Yes. (laughs) That they give you. Like, you know, you're like my condolences and they hand you a card it's just like got flowers and swirls and shit all over it mm-hmm. and like really fancy type and it just says r.i.p like fred <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so he he tries to pursue a romance with her you know and there's all sorts of shenanigans with that ultimately you know it's a movie it's a movie tr- the the tramp is trying to get trying to get with this girl and then also at the same time big jim wants to get money a little bit of money you know, uh, I'm trying to think like, so this movie is interesting because what you saw is the best approximation of what we have of the 1925 version. Mm-hmm. Cause as I said, the 42, like the 42 talkie version was, and it's Chaplin's definitive version, at least as far as he's concerned. It's kind of like the George Lucas star Wars thing or like, before. or like Ridley Scott's like his, the final cut, not the director's cut, but the final cut of Blade Runner. But and the difference is, Chaplin did not want that the other version to be available. But you were telling me this, like he, he like deliberately like prevent tried to prevent it from coming out, right? Yeah, yes. But at that point, by the time it was like re-releasing in the fifties, the copyright had expired in the United States for the Gold Rush. So, 
but and then like basically Ch- Chaplin destroyed like negative negative the original negatives I'm pretty sure and a lot of other like copies of the film. So Kevin Brownlow and David Gill, you know, massive like big silent film guy like restoration guys. Um, basically, if you don't know who they are, look them up. Um, they basically and other people did like a worldwide search of like all like the film el- film elements that they could find. Um, of this movie, so mm-hmm. it's kind of a miracle that this exists. Also, I just like wanted to add that. Um, and also by that notion too, they use the basis for the score is Chaplin's score that he did for the forty-two version, and I think it's a very good score in that one. But being like I like audio and stuff, I love hearing the more updated like n- updated audio, right? Which is what I really like about silent films, honestly, compared to. I mean, I love old talkies, you know, I love King Kong, love Casablanca, but, like, I think about, like, with silent movies, how they have a certain advantage where, like, yeah, the picture, like, there's no ta- there's no talking, but the music, it can be, like, recorded to, like, the highest standards. Yeah. Because they don't, there's no attached soundtrack, if that makes any sense. No, that makes sense. Plus, like, with some talkies, like, as obviously, they're at that point where there's like only so many limited things that they could do, you know, with yeah. as far as music is concerned. Like, so there's some, oh, so many old movies that you'll watch where there's just no background score outside of like the opening and the end. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like for like the first Frankenstein. Yep. There's no, there's no like actual score for that movie outside of like what you initially hear at the beginning and what you hear initially at the end. Or like incidental stuff. Like if there's like a festival going on, you'll hear, that stuff or if it's like a straight up musical but yeah again you know only in those in those uh instances um but going back to going back to to this film um you know i'm thinking that there's so many great sequences like uh one of the memorable well, ones is eating the shoe eating yeah the boot. <laughs> yeah yeah but you know what yeah he seasoned it well i you know i want to see i want to see i want to see someone do that on master chef just mm-hmm. just chaplin going up to like gordon ramsay just like what do we have here, big boy? <laughs> it's a nice coloring on the on the bottom of the sole there. <laughs> you 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 cooked it on the inside first, similar to salmon. You know, you cook it on the skin. <laughs> but you know what? They seem to enjoy it. And you told me it was like made of like some sort of licorice or something, wasn't it? Yeah, he had it specially made uh, of licorice. But also, the, it should be noted, Chaplin was a perfectionist. And they did take after take after take. And the actor who played I mean, Big Jim was not happy. <laughs> and also, like, like you also gotta remember, like, you know, anytime you watch a movie where an actor has food in front of them or they're eating food, like, they're the most, that's the most miserable day that they've probably ever had. Like, any movie, too. Like, even, like, a big movie. Like, I'm sure when when Chris Hemsworth was doing that, like, that, you know, nada! And he, like, throws the cup down and breaks it. Oh, God, yeah. Like, I'm, sh- I'm sure he was miserable that day. Just how many times he's probably had to eat, like, stuff his face with waffles. Just yeah. slathered in syrup. Like, I'm sure that's, like, a dream for some people. But, like, when you get to that dream and you realize, why am I doing this? <laughs> but I can only imagine just how, like, nauseating just... Especially with licorice, you know. Especially, if, like, because there's so many people that just don't care for licorice. Mm-hmm. Because there's the the taste or like the way that they prepare it, so it's just like, uh, as cool as it is to eat like a licorice shoe. After a while, I just I also think of the not to not to completely go off topic, but like I also think of when Jim Carrey eats the bottle in the Grinch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would hated that. <laughs> yeah, that would have been bad. But I thought that was pretty cool. 
I do have one question, like not to again, not to like just completely veer off, but like when was what was the first time you watched this? The first time that I watched this was it this um, version? Actually, it was. It, I think the first time I watched this, it was like a public domain version of this version. Oh, okay. Like, it, so like it was like a like a cheesy like do 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 like like <laughs> somebody had like a really bad score like piano <laughs> thing attached to it. Um, and then I saw the the talky version, which I thought, yeah, this is a pretty good movie. And when you watch it, I'm sure you've been like, yeah, that was that was pretty good. But I feel like. Like that, as fun as Chaplin's narration is, I think there's a lot. I I love hearing the score. Like I said, like the score that that was originally conceived by Chaplin. I believe Timothy Brock reinterpreted it for this version or whatever. Mm. Um, and I think it sounds great. I love just the music. Um, and I think there's just great moments. Uh, like when I rewatch when I watched the 25 version, it was included as a bonus feature on the Criterion disc because oh, really the other one is considered Chaplin's definitive version. Like it's again, it's like with Blade Runner, the final cut is Ridley's. That's the definitive is Ridley's definitive statement on that movie. Yeah. You know, but there's other versions included just for, you know, just because, um, you know, and I, I think w- w- what I came across with this, like it, be- it was a more complete experience, obviously, you know, cause Georgia in the talky version, like she's there, she's important, but she's, gets a much bigger role um she's there's much more uh respect for this character and a lot more love for this character which probably might have reflected chaplin's feelings for her at that time when she mm-hmm. when he was making the original film you know it, it feels much more like a love story in that sense um you know where in comparison to the other one but i think they just kind of it ends with them just walking off on those stairs if you right. remember that that scene like that's yeah. where the movie ends i'm pretty sure at that point uh but yeah, you were going to say, I'm sorry. Oh, no, no. Uh, I was just listening. <laughs> no, but, and it's one of those where, like, I think for me, my two favorites would be, like, City Lights and Modern Times. And even though I'd say they're interchangeable, but Gold Rush is probably a strong, like, number three. or It's it's up there because mm-hmm. it, like, I, I think about the chicken scene. Like, I can't believe you haven't talked about that yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, there's some, there's some absurd things in this movie, but, like, I did, like, I liked that, um, like, Obviously, we think of it as, like, a classic joke now, but, like, the whole joke of, like, you know, you're starving, you see it in Looney Tunes all the time, like, one of the characters turns into some sort of food. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, was it, what's the guy's big, uh, big, big Jim? Big Jim. Big Jim. He just looks at, um, the tramp, and he turns into a chicken. <laughs> like, like, and it's not even, like, a physical chicken, it's a guy in a chicken suit. Yeah. <laughs> That's what just makes it so much better (laughs) that scene is great uh one of my favorites is when he's shoveling when chaplin is like shoveling to make money yes (laughs) yes um and what what you know what it worked out (laughs) yes it worked out for him um i do want to talk about like i mentioned this already but you know my favorite scene Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> this whole thing. Um, so there's a point in the movie when um, Chaplin and Big Jim are going back to the because they're like in the, they stay in this cabin in like the in like during a during the snowstorm or whatever. And uh, after all the shenanigans with Georgia, Big Jim and him go back, and 
uh, they go to sleep and like it's like windy, it's crazy, um, and we get a title card that says uh, they go to a place of calm or whatever, they go to a place of peace or whatever. And next thing you know, they're hanging off the side of a like fucking Mount Crumpet or something. <laughs> <laughs> like the freaking package is about to drop, and I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> The, I was amazed that you reacted that way because I, I would have thought that you would have been like, "Oh, they're going to be in a bad spot." Like, <laughs> you know what? I was. You know, I think it's. It was like this. Um, some movies, if I'm into it, then I just kind of let it play out, and I don't even think about like where it's going to take me. And so I think I was just really, I was just really getting into this one, um, especially after like all the like Georgia stuff. And just all the little, like, things that just made me giggle. Uh, like the photograph under the pillow. Yes. <laughs> it made me giggle a little bit. Um, but then, like, I get to that moment, and I'm like, hold on! <laughs> Excuse me, but it's not a place of calm! <laughs> He's gonna die! And then it was just funny, because, like, obviously they have no clue. They're inside. <laughs> <laughs> and the best part is like you know when Chaplin like goes out the back door and then like it cuts to like the miniature and it's just a little puppet. Yeah, <laughs> <I'm> like ah. <laughs> One of my other favorite things is when they're like this is earlier in the movie when they open the doors in that cabin and they just instantly like blow out of the other side. <laughs> I mean that's isn't that how they got the the bear out initially? Like or they were dealing with the bear. <laughs> like some, at one point or something, something like, like that yeah yeah no, and just just chaplin trying to stand up <laughs> just not working and you hear like flight of the bumblebee which is a perfect like musical representation of that bit. Uh, so good um no that was just that was just funny i and i looked at joe and i was like why is this not a meme like this would be a great meme and so like we would just <laughs> we would just be messaging each other like um joey's in a place of calm and it's just a picture of Joey watching a uh, fan four stick. <laughs> <laughs> or it's like, you know, Richard goes to Disney World and, uh, and he's at he's at peace. And then it's just Splash Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, thank you. <laughs> oh, my God. That was so good. I, I was I was so happy at that point. <laughs> I was like, what is uh. happening? But I, there are some scenes in this. So I, I think there's some genuinely like beautiful shots. I can think mm. about when Cha when Chaplin's in the dance hall. And well, when he like first goes in, when for, for like everybody walks away at one point, and he's just by himself. And I'm like, like, like you're reminded, like Chaplin's also just a great director, too. Mm. Um, I think people for, forget about that sometimes because obviously the Tramp is such an iconic, um, iconic movie presence. But you know, Chaplin's also like a major major auteur figure in his own right. Um, it should also be noted, this was one of his most successful movies. Like, I think in the silent era, it was, like, one of the biggest movies, period. Um, and this was after Chaplin made a film called A Woman of Paris, which is a very good drama, but it flopped, and it doesn't feature the tramp at all. Chaplin appears as, like, a bit character for a second on screen. Um... And it was mainly, it was sort of a vehicle for Edna Proviance, who was his leading lady for a very long time. Mm -hmm. um, and she's very good in the movie, and it's a really good movie, but I hope Criterion puts that on Blu-ray at some point. But 
um, you know, it did not do well. And this is after Chaplin also made The Kid, which was another really successful, you know, his his first, like, real feature and, you know, big comedy, um, big comedy movie. Um, you know, I think this, this movie has a lot of, like, the tramp hallmarks. Like, there's, a, there's an obsession with food and, like, money, you mm. know? Uh, I think those are big things like tr- the tramp trying to make a living and at the end becoming a, becoming a millionaire. Also, like just the desperation of food um, <clears throat> is a major factor in this. And uh, there's, of course, like the unrequ- like sort of unrequited love story, you know, because Georgia initially is not interested in him. No, at all. <laughs> no, no, no. She's not interested, but like, like she she looks at him and, and sort of like, oh, look at that adorable. Um, because, like, there's a whole bit where, um, they're, like, having fun and, like, the tramps, like, I guess, like, uh, house sitting or cabin sitting for this one guy or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, they just happen to run in to, to him at this cabin. And this is after he had already met Georgia and, like, fall, like, fell in love with her and stuff. Right. And they make this promise that they're gonna, like, come and visit him on New Year's and, like, have dinner with him and stuff. And he gets all prepared. He's got his candles. He's got four. He's got plates out for her and her friends and himself. Um, everything's all good to go. And they don't. They don't. They don't show up initially. Yeah. And you just you're like you're kind of bummed out. And I mean they they do end up getting there, but obviously he's he's gone. He's he's sad and he's upset. So you, you feel for him a little bit. No, for sure. Um, I think Georgia Hale's also very good in this movie. I think she's a really good, um, really good, um, leading lady. Cause there's some of them where he has, where they're like, they're just there and they're just there literally to just be whatever character. But mm-hmm. I think she, I think she does a good job, um, a really good job with her character. Um, I'm trying to think of other stuff off the top of my head. That's, it's interesting. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's just, a, I think it's a really funny movie and, you know, I know you talk about length, and it's like this is like an eighty-five minute movie. It's like no, this this is this is this was a nice length. This was like perfect. And if I ever show you the other, which will happen at some point, but like the other, like like City Lights in Modern Times, they're like 86, 87 minutes. Listen, I I fully expect that Chaplin movies are like are for you what the Batman movies were for me. <laughs> so I, I'm, I mean, I'm it's only fair. I'm ready. <laughs> I, I guess so. Well, I'll I'll take you up on that. Um, what would you say, like, as far as the Chaplin movie, like, you've seen Great Dictator and Gold Rush so far. Um, thoughts on this Chaplin like, journey? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, like, like, which one do I prefer? I guess that that's a good start too. Um, I mean, I think Gold Rush is, is it's kind of an easy. Not nothing against great dictator but i just think it was a little long i agree with that for sure um so it's just trying to like get into it i mean there was a lot of funny stuff but like this felt like the first sort of quintessential like chaplain like what you know chaplain for you know what i mean yes so like you know because you always like you think of silent actors i think the first person for a lot of people who've probably never watched a silent movie is like charlie chaplin Mm. you know um, I mean, you, you get into it more, you learn of people like Conrad Veidt, who did a lot of silent movies. You, th- you learn about, um, Buster Keaton, Buster Keaton. Um, 
but Chaplin's sort of like the staple silent movie dude. And so, um, I was, I, it was, it was in a lot of ways, it was something, it was, it was everything I expected it to be, but also like, it was a much better experience than I anticipated it because like, again, you know, a lot of silent movies, it has to just sort of be like either in the mood for it or, you know, Mm -hmm. for me, it's just like to get into that zone and i was very into it i was i was having fun it was funny i i mean obviously you know there's some of the aged bits that were a little just maybe not in funny at the time because it wasn't supposed to be but like funny to me because i yeah i live in 2021 right. and again when a dude has a picture of a strange woman he met once uh under his pillow and that woman has no uh inkling on how it could have gotten there it's a little uncomfortable, yeah. but in like in like a in like a rocky like I'm gonna kiss you, Adrian, sort of way. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, but outside of that, um, uh, I had a lot of fun with it. I liked a lot of the the the, the characters. I liked how big and theatrical it was, which you, you kind of need with a silent movie. Um, and no, I had a lot of fun with it. I liked this one. I, this is definitely like as far as the ranking goes, it's this and then Great Dictator. So whatever whatever comes next, we'll see where that lies. And like I said, there's other ones that I think I think you'll like more, or <clears> at <throat> least like they'll be it'll be interesting to see what your thoughts are on, especially City Lights and Modern Times. But with that said, we're gonna take a brief intermission, and when we come back, we're gonna talk about another tale about gold. Uh, but we're <laughs> moving away from uh, the blustery cold into very dry and very hot deserts. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Two Dudes, One Double Feature. In our last segment, we were on the snowy mountains where my dog is barking. And, <laughs> uh, you know, um, Chaplin was there. Uh, we were talking about the gold rush, as well as leading towards. Now, we're talking about another treasure-seeking adventure uh, movie with another classic um, old Hollywood actor. Th- this time in a lore little bit more modern era uh as opposed to silent movies joey what film are we talking about in this half we are talking about john houston's 1948 film the treasure of the sierra madre (laughs) (laughs) no not taylor (laughs) not taylor (laughs) 
Oh, I hate when actors laugh. Oh, he's a bad man. And not bad man as in, well, he's he's a good, like, player. I mean, he's a bad person. He's a legitimate, awful piece of poop. I anyway. should question his morals. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Treasure's, Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Um, you know, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't think this episode would happen. Like, I'm honestly so perplexed that we're recording this right now. Because sometimes it's like... We're here. We're here. But, like, we're it's here. like, okay, okay, we're going to watch a silent movie about gold digging. And then we're going to watch an, a black and white movie made, like, a little more than 20 years later about gold digging that isn't widescreen <laughs> either. And, listen, Joey, I didn't tell you about this, but, um, I, I almost didn't do this, but I talked to Yee, aka Kanye West, and I bought the rights to his song, Gold Digger. Oh my god. <laughs> that he did with Jamie Foxx. So now we can play it. If, no, I didn't do any of that. That'd be mm. way too expensive, and I do not want to support him. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> um, no. That would have, that would be, that would have been too far. Mm. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Just went too far. Um, yes, uh, uh, Treasure of Sierra Madre. I will say, just off the bat, with a title like that, I expected this to be more like like a 20,000 League situation. It's not. Yeah, more, <laughs> it's, more like an uh, adventure. Yeah, like a more like straight up, like, you know, like, obviously they are climbing a mountain, but I expected it to be more you know, adventure I guess, just more like crazy, but it's pretty straightforward. It, it, it does have like Western vibes a little bit. Mm. Um, so, but I mean, it doesn't make it like a bad movie, but it was definitely a bit different than I expected it to be. Yeah. So Treasure's Theorem Madre, this was based on a book by B. Traven, who we still don't know who exactly this person was. Like it's you not, were saying, yeah, it's not like Doctor Seuss where we know Doctor Seuss is Theodore Geisel, or or like we know who um, Jules Verne is and H.G. Wells, uh, Daniel Steele, you know, whoever you want to pick. <laughs> <laughs> um, Daniel Steele sounds like a porn name. It's a real, it's a real author. My mom used to have a whole bookmobile of just her <laughs> romance novels. And you know what? It lines up. It lines <laughs> up. But, but we didn't know who this guy... But he wrote this book, you know, of the same name. Um, mm. uh, it's also just kind of wild this movie even exists because it's a, it's a you know, fairly, you know, big, like, big budget movie with, you know, Humphrey Bogart, who is like, you know, as far as like classic movie, Hollywood movie stars, it, it doesn't really get more classic than Humphrey Bogart. But he... This isn't a role where he's, like, a good guy or where he's playing, like, a guy with a heart of gold or, you know, a tough guy with a heart of gold or anything like that. He is a piece of shit in this movie who just he descends. Is horrible. He is uh, horrible. Dobbs is is just awful. Like, kind of from the start, almost. I mean, like, he, yeah, he's not, like, he's not near as, like, manic as he is later on, but, like, he, he like basically like tries to get money off the same dude three separate times yeah just because he's like the the only like all white like literally all white dude <laughs> in the whole like because they're in um they're in mexico 
and you know he's like homeless or something right like like he 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 ended up in a different country without any money and he's roaming around trying to find work and trying to like skim money off of people and he asks the same dude like three times he's like hey man you american i'm american can i have some money <laughs> i'm paraphrasing but that's more or less what he says yeah you spell spare fellow american to a meal <laughs> and he's like I-, I love at the end the guy's like dude <laughs> <laughs> How, have you not noticed you've asked me so many times then again he gives him money every time so it's you know you give you give a mouse a cookie yeah mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and uh shark will eat you anyway um <laughs> so uh it just kind of like, excessively gets worse as the movie plays out because like you know he's it's it's such a like a like a like a Almost like I almost compare it to like Jack Nicholson in The Shining a little bit, because mm-hmm. like, like Jack, you can kind of like he seems uncomfortable at first when you first meet him in The Shining, right? Because mm-hmm. like you know he's he's just like gotten out, he's like a couple months sober or whatever, but he's got this history and he's clearly got a strained relationship with his family. And then as the movie plays out, like he gets more and more crazy from the cabin fever and the ghosts and whatnot. Right. And in this case, like you know he he starts off somewhat like yeah. You know, he beats up a guy who doesn't pay him, which, you know, again, you, you shouldn't pay the guy, but should you beat the shit out of him? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, <laughs> but, I, I, you know, and if it, it just goes to, I mean, because, you know, in that situation, like, you know, Barton McClain plays this dude who just basically rips off, like, suckers, basically. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> you, you know, um, so he does, so he does that. But I also, before we get into the rest of the movie, I want to talk about the other two members of the cast. Um, I'm going to talk about mm. Tim, Tim Holt, um, as Curtin, who I really like in this movie. He, like, I know there's other movies where people say he isn't like that great. Like I remember him in Orson Welles, the Magnif- uh, Magnificent Ambersons. People talk about his performance, but I really liked him in this cause he's, he's almost like, he's like almost like a moral compass in a way of the three mm-hmm. of the three guys, but also like, he just sounds like a classic movie actor. Like what's, what was kind of funny about that too is like. You you see like the I guess the face of some people, and from like old Hollywood, and they they look like it, you know, with like the slicked hair and everything, that sort of classic Hollywood look. And obviously, all that is stripped away for this movie, so that they can like look like they've been you know trekking the forest mm-hmm. and like trekking the mountain, um, and they're like all sunburnt and their hair is all whacked out. With 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 that actor, it's funny because like he looks like a dude that I could see today. Like he's like a, a kind of a timeless like like uh, aesthetic to him a little bit which was which is interesting especially like with his facial hair because like i'm so used to like 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 kind of like mine like how my my facial hair kind of grows out to my neck mm-hmm. like i i try not to be a neck beard but it, ha- it just unfortunately happens because yeah. that's where my hair grows mm-hmm. <laughs> but um thankfully it does grow so it, it feels like more of a natural beard so i feel okay about it mm-hmm. but but like well like with him like i feel like his his facial hair just reminded me of so much of like um, like a like an early like a sort of mid twenties dude from like 2016. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it's just like I, I guess the point I'm trying to make is that he didn't look like a tr- typical old Hollywood actor, which mm. was like it, it, it sort of I guess in a certain extent helped someone like me who's not used to that like kind of lean more toward lean more into the movie a, a bit. Right. No, I mean, that's, in a weird way. That's a good. That's an interesting option. I never thought about it that way before, but like that's a good. That's a good way to see it. Um. But I, I just love the way he said certain things, like, you're not going to touch this, you're not going to touch this thing, you know, very, com- like, calm, like, you know, mm-hmm. like, presence in certain scenes. Um, 
But we also, like, really, we have to talk about Walter Houston in this movie as Howard. Oh, Howard. This, oh my god, this this crazy old dude. He's, he's like, he's, I, what, I said he was like, he reminded me a lot of Quint. Yeah. From Jaws. Like, I, I don't, I, I almost wonder if uh, Quint from Jaws, like, got some inspiration from this character. See, when I think about these guys, I think about the three guys from Jaws, like, not, right? not that, not, I think I, I, you know, not that Dobbs and Curtin are exactly like, you know, Roy, Roy Scheider or Richard Dreyfuss' characters, but like just the, the three dudes out in nature trying to like fend for themselves. Yeah. Like a hundred percent. Just the, the whole, the whole idea of these guys, like obviously in this case, they're trying to find gold. Um, and two of them have never experienced this whatsoever. Maybe one guy has a little bit of experience. The other guy has just never done any of it. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot like Jaws. You know, like, I almost feel like we should have just paired this with Jaws. That, what, are, what are we doing? It, it would, well, we already did. It, you know, it's like that one, I think about that one dude to message us and just like try to steer away from less obvious pairings. And I feel like that, that would have been a great one. Uh, Jaws of the Sierra Madre, like. Most people be like, "What? What are you doing?" <laughs> <laughs> this is why. This is why I always suggest uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure and The Bicycle Thief. There, there, there you go. It's it's the same damn movie. <laughs> um, but Howard is great, played by Walter Houston, who is the father of writer director John Houston. Um, in in this movie, and did you tell me he did the Maltese Falcon? As well. Yes, he he. Well, uh, John Houston wrote and directed Maltese Falcon, and his father Walter Houston has a brief cameo. Um, if you remember in uh, Maltese Falcon, there's a scene where like it's, there's a guy carrying the bundle that is like the bird, you know, basically. Yeah. He get, he get, gives it, but he collapses because he was he was killed. You know, he was shot at. Yeah. Um, that that okay, was Walter, yeah, yeah. That was Walter Houston, um, who was. He was in a number of other like movies. He was a big character actor. Um, he one of my favorite roles that he did was uh, as George M. Cohan's dad in the Jim, James Cagney movie Yankee Doodle Dandy. But here it's also interesting too because this is the only father son um, duo to ever win Oscars for the same movie because Walter Houston won for supporting actor for this, and then John won for screenplay and directing. And this was in a year. Oh dang. Where Ham like Lawrence Olivier's Hamlet was up for Best Picture, and another previous two dudes movie, The Red Shoes, was also up for Best Picture that year. So, I'd never honestly, I never would have thought like this and Red Shoes. I guess again, like because there's so many bits about it that feel like because obviously, like I think when I look at like the opening scenes of this one, mm-hmm. it feels very like sort of the old. Sort of, sort of old school way of making movies with like the the rear view like the rear projection stuff like yeah. especially at the opening, but there's like so much at like the beginning like uh, sort of the middle part of the movie where they're like out and about or like they're actually out on location and stuff. Yeah. Again, like just so much about this movie, and I guess maybe it's just because the nature of the story just brings something to it that because like I guess with old Hollywood you get like that squeaky clean sort of ritzy vibe Mm -hmm. and that was gone in this movie yeah yeah and that's why I wanted to show you this one because I think about because I showed you Maltese Falcon which is a great movie I love that movie yeah but it's all but it's also a typical like Hollywood movie like obviously it was it's a very important movie and helped with film noir and all that but like you know if I showed you a couple other Bogart movies some of them feel like the same movie 
This one is not Casablanca. It's not African Queen. It's not Maltese Falcon. Because Sam Spade is a piece of shit in uh, Maltese Falcon, but he's not... He isn't, like, evil like or insane he's redeemable <laughs> he's redeemable he's, re- he's redeemable um he, he has he has a moral compass like he feels like like because he because i remember i always think about the end of the like the end of maltese falcon where bogart plays that so well it's like you know when your partner gets killed you you gotta do something you gotta do something about it um kind of thing whereas dobbs is like always he just wants to kill his partner <laughs> he, he's always looking over his shoulder i think about that get the gila monster scene where like the like the lizard yes like no trust, no trust, no trust at all. Oh my god! He's literally just like, "Are you trying to steal my gold, you son of a bitch? You trying to steal my gold?" He's like, "This damn lizard under this rock." I'm just trying to get the it's like, trying to steal my gold, aren't you? You can't have it. It's my, it's my gold. You can't have it. Calm down. Let me flip the rock over. It's fine. Mm-hmm. And then everyone's pulling a gun out. They flip. They, he's able to flip the rock over. There's the Gila monster. You know what scene gives me so much anxiety is when it's just what? it's just Curtin and Dobbs, and oh my god, yeah, because like especially when he gives that speech, and you know he's like he's he's gonna try to kill him, yeah, he's dead, and he just laughs and just staring at like I think pulls a Taylor, like honestly, like Bogart's given a number of great performances. I think this is Bogart's best performance, and it's so different from just about anything else that he did because, like I said. Bogart played characters that are like like cynical guys with like inside they were like a softy, you know, like in Casablanca, spoiler alert. Yeah. But like or in High C- High Sierra, he's this gangster he's this gangster bank robber type. But when he gets out of prison, there's like a human element to him where he's enjoying the feeling of grass and like the open air and the sunlight again, you know. But this movie, Dobbs is just a piece of shit and then like because of everything going on like the gold and the greed just corrupts his mind so much you know it's like and i i like in even like just the physical transformation just how much more wild-eyed and how much more like nappy his hair gets and his is like and just like completely sunburned face and it's it's intense it like it genuinely gets intense like he does end up actually shooting curtain mm-hmm. and then throwing him all thrown to the side and so confident that he killed him he just leaves his gun there which <laughs> <laughs> it's like like are you that shirt sure, are you that certain curtain is dead oh my god <laughs> yes yes i am but and he's and he's so unhinged the whole time i mean i gotta for first off i have to talk about the most like ridiculous just it, again, both of these movies ended up just having memes for mm-hmm. me. Yes. <laughs> like, this one especially. So, like, um, there's, like, this, like, random guy that shows up uh, with the group. Co- and, like, tries Cody. to, like, Cody. Mm-hmm. He tries to, like, kind of get into the group so he can get some gold himself and make some profit. And uh, uh, everyone else is, like, you know, um, curtains, trying to be civil, Howard's trying to be civil, but um, uh, what's the guy? What Bogey? What's Bogey's character's name again? Dobbs. Dobbs. Dobbs is just hostile from the get go, mm-hmm. from the jump, and uh, like Cody's like, you know, just trying to be civilized, and uh, <laughs> and Dobbs is like, who, who, who's not? Or he's like, 
who's not civilized or something. He, he says something along those lines. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and then, and then just completely just like punches him. Yes. <laughs> it's like, who's not civilized? <laughs> oh my God. And then for like a solid, like, five minute period i feel like it was just joey and i <laughs> just <laughs> we, just like <laughs> joey i'm going to disney world <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it, it was um like i feel like after like a few minutes i was like oh yeah richard just to recap the plot that's been going on that we've been just <laughs> laughing at this thing that is not supposed to be funny <laughs> it's so it's and it's the same sort of thing as that gold rush meme where it's just like <laughs> it's something and then contrasted by the exact opposite. Yes. <laughs> it's it's just literally like I'm going, what do you mean we're not civilized? <laughs> um I I do want to mention um Alfonso Bedoya as Gold Hat uh the head Is that the bandit, the head the bandit. bandito. Yes, who has the most famous line uh, in this movie, badges. We don't need no stinking bad. You know, I don't want you know go through the whole thing. Yeah, but it he uh, he's very memorable in this movie, and he makes me think of like I think about um what's his face Eli Wallach as Tuco, and also his character in um Magnificent Seven very much. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's he's really, you know what yeah I do want to say on that note because like I feel like so many movies especially even like even well into today like so many movies that have characters that aren't like just white english speaking people um they'll have either like a white person in some sort of unfortunate racist makeup mm-hmm. um speaking in a you know really lazy version of you know the accent um and then just puts just speaking english or they'll just have someone who is uh the proper race but talking in english mm-hmm and there, while there obviously aren't any subtitles and there's a good chunk of this movie where they're just speaking Spanish. Yeah. It was, I wholeheartedly was like, respected that. I was like, they just let them speak their own language. I'm, I'm glad Which, you brought that up actually. Cause that was something I forgot about when I, when I was rewatching this. Yeah. Because like, you do not see that again. And like in a lot of movies, you know, you know, I think I like, you know, I haven't seen it, but like Ten Commandments, you know, obviously they're supposed to be Egyptian mm. and yet it's a bunch of white people like speaking English, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it's like, I, and it makes me think of like when I first saw like Inglorious Bastards and how that it sort of felt like it changed the game because that movie primarily is in like German mm. and so many scenes and, um, and how that sort of translated in so many movies these days where like now, like when you have a character who is from another country or a certain ethnicity speaking like their native language right out the gate. So it's not just like some English dude like playing this. So like, I, I was like kind of like taken back. I was like, wow, they actually let these people speak their language. So I, I, I tip of the hat wholeheartedly. Um, yeah. I mean like for the, for the most part, you know, I mean, I think if I'm not mistaken, the little boy is just a white boy. I, th- I'm, I have to double check on that who gives mm-hmm. a lottery ticket but like a lot of the people I believe are are you know they're not they're not like just in like brown face yeah, like you know Yeah like like there's actually like Mexicans and, and you, didn't they shoot in Mexico They shot in Mexico um and I think it should also it like mention too that yeah like he's not like a good guy or anything like Goldhead's not a good guy but he's not like 
the antagonist, I, w- I would say, of this movie. He just happens to be another thing that goes wrong for these characters. Yeah. You know, he's just he's just another element that they have to deal with. I, I almost look at him as, like, the karma for Dobbs. Yeah. Because ba- ultimately he ends up killing Dobbs. Mm-hmm. Just for... And and then to make matters worse, uh, they take all the gold, which is like this powder, essentially, not like solid uh, blocks or anything. Yeah. Um, and thinking it's just dust and just letting it go. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh, but I, I also want to bring up one of the other like scenes that was one of my favorite scenes too. When, when like Walter Houston just completely loses it at <laughs> Dobbs, <Dobson's laughs> and he just laughs at them calls them like jack jackasses <laughs> he's like tap dancing or like yes <laughs> he's 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 babu frick he's he's literally babu frick for like a second <laughs> um y- you know but i really Little do like babu frick. i like the way this movie ends because like normally like in the, in the gold rush it's like oh yay you know chaplain and he's big, rich he's rich he's got money he's fine but even the guys who aren't that bad don't make it out with money <laughs> <laughs> like everybody's just sort of screwed at mm-hmm. the end of this one but you know what it's all about that whole like you know it might not have been the uh might not it might not have been you know the end game we wanted but we had a good journey hmm it was a journey of madness, and we lost Dobbs. <laughs> <laughs> eh, he's a dick. <laughs> I got shot. He's fine. <laughs> eh, you know what? I'm alive. I can tell the story. I mean, I mean, like, what's his fa- Like, Howard makes it out pretty good because he comes to, like, the medicine man of this tribe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he becomes, like, a god of this, like, tribe. Like, the first time we see him after he left is, like, he's on a hammock being fed grapes and, like, <laughs> drinking out of a coconut, and there's, like, a pool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, he, he made it out. He's fine. He's, he's okay. <laughs> um, I also was just noticing, I'm looking at the credits, and I never knew this, uh, Jay Silverheels, who you may know as the original, um, like, the classic Tonto from The Lone Ranger, is in this movie as an un- uncredited role as Indian Guide at Pier. I'm trying to remember that moment. I I really want to rewatch the movie and try to find him, because uh, I I think that's pretty that's pretty wild actually. It's like I never knew that um, until today. That's pretty cool. Um, but I thought you were gonna say Johnny Depp. <laughs> wait, wait, what? <laughs> wow, Johnny Depp's old. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, kind of now. I mean, yeah, that's not relevant. That's not relevant. Um, <laughs> That's not relevant. But this, both both of these movies, I picked because gold and they're old movies you needed to watch. That's really <laughs> the the you know the through line here. This again, you know, this is this is Joey's goal in life. Is I think here, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's two goals in life that you have with our friendship. Goal number one is to show me all the essential old movies. Goal number two, to to get me to uh, actually uh, grow a pair and and go on all the rides at Disney. <laughs> well, there. Listen, there are some that I'm like, I feel like I can, I can roll the dice on and just go for it. But there are some where I look at them and I go, Tower of Terror isn't happening. Uh, Expedition Everest is probably never going to happen. But I feel like 
there, I, I, I almost feel like there could be a point, maybe not with Tower of Terror, but I feel like there could be a point where you're like, come on. Come on, Richard. Give it a try. I'll get you Give a, a try. I'll, I'll get you a dough whip. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can buy myself a dough whip. Thank you. No, you can't. <laughs> Did you take my money? I'm dead. <gasps> oh, you bastard. My wallet's gone. <laughs> no, see, it's like an elaborate scheme that I concocted. And it's like, Allison has your wallet. <laughs> <gasps> no. Listen, Allison. If you're listening to this right now, if you steal my wallet in the future, I'm gonna have to have a talk with you. <laughs> First off, I have a bubble that you've pierced. <laughs> Second of all, <laughs> Second of all, I need my wallet. <laughs> it's got my stuff in it. <laughs> oh, don't worry, Richard. You will have it when when we deem it necessary. What? No! No! I need things! I want to buy things! Oh, don't worry. <laughs> um, I end up just, like, you just buy every single thing that you want. It's like, I got this for you. <laughs> um, but I'm going to keep it. But, so, with, you know, both these movies, I mean, the, the Gold Rush is a, is a classic, you know, Chaplin comedy. I think it's a, it's a, it's a prototypical, like, that this is a Chaplin movie. This is what to expect. And then this is like, yeah. I feel like it's a nice change of pace as far as old movies. Cause I feel like, like you're saying, you expect something from an old movie. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, it, you, you expect like, like I watched, like watching nightmare alley recently felt like a sort of harken back to like the, like what you expect with old Hollywood movies and the sort of, you know, appeal and look and style and everything. But with this, like, I did not, like, expect... But then again, I guess I'm also just... I'm not used to a lot of, like, older, like... Like, obviously this isn't, like, a Western entirely, but, like, sort of the old older movies like that from mm-hmm. that era. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. So it was... It, it kind of jumped out a little bit at me, and I was like, oh, this is interesting. The only time... And the, you know what's a, such an interesting, like, image to, like, sort of contrast that mm-hmm. that idea... When um, when Dobbs gets a haircut, yes, because he walks out, he's squeaky clean, his hair's like slicked back, like you would expect from like an old Hollywood movie actor. He probably he looks more like Bogey than he normally does throughout the rest of the movie, and yet he still has his tattered clothes on. Yeah, like I think that that image like kind of perfectly represents that whole idea a little bit. I'm glad you enjoyed these movies, though. I, you know, I think it was a it, it was did. a good um good experience and a good way to get back to two you know two dudes shenanigans. I miss this. This is nice. This this is this ba- is nice. Just bask in this for a second. Just just a a good like fifteen minutes of silence. It'll be fine. Yeah, I don't know. About <laughs> it's not that. dead. It's it's not dead air, guys. It's just it's just we're just having a moment while <laughs> you are experiencing that dead air uh, that i will not incorporate in this episode folks what, what are your favorite what are your favorite bogey movies what are your favorite chaplain movies um you know let us know facebook twitter instagram we each have a letterbox we have the youtube channel and all that also don't be stuff. don't be afraid to suggest some double features in the future yes i do want to try to get more suggestions on the program the problem is we I enjoy know. doing we enjoy doing the show, so we just like <laughs> putting our stuff in. It's it's just it's all about us, guys. I'm sorry. I will say uh, Chris Olivier has been really uh, wanting to get some get some uh, ideas in there. He he commented three times on on 
one of the posts I did for the radio drama. So, uh, Chris, good friend, Mr. Olivier, my favorite Canadian. Yeah. It's, my, it'll happen. Yeah, I could say that. He's my favorite, definitely my favorite Canadian. He, not, not that this is going to get in the episode, but he'd be a good guest to have if we could, if we could ever figure out the schedule. Um, if we can, if we can get to a point, yeah, that'd be cool. Um, but anyway, that about wraps it up. Check us out in two weeks. Have a good night, everyone. Miss this. Thank you all for listening to Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Special shout-out, as always, to John and Kenny Armstrong. Thank you guys for everything you do. We love you both so much. And stay tuned in two weeks for a brand new episode of Two Dudes, One Double Feature. I'm a bad boy.